Late last week, a ceasefire finally took effect between Israeli and Palestinian forces. The quiet comes after weeks of violence on the streets and from the air. Dozens of people have been killed with a majority of casualties in Gaza. Another fragile truce in a decades-long conflict with no end in sight. In that time, there has been multiple proxy wars waged worldwide, not with arms, but with culture. And one of the latest battlefronts has been in California's classrooms. I'm Gustavo Arellano. You're listening to The Times, daily news from the LA Times. Today is May 24th, 2021. A volcano eruption in the Democratic Republic of Congo forces thousands to flee their homes. California's gas tax is set to rise on July 1st, and a party called Adrian's Kickback leads to nearly 150 arrests in Huntington Beach. Stay classy, Surf City. This past March, the California Department of Education approved an ethnic studies curriculum for K-12 students that schools can adopt. It seeks to teach a more diverse take on history, so more students will learn about how people of color have contributed to the American story. Not only does the move influence the next generation of students, but this could go on to affect school districts across the country. The ethnic studies curriculum approved by California is meant to primarily focus on the experience of four of this nation's historically marginalized groups, Asians, Blacks, Latinos, and Native Americans. It also includes lessons about the Jewish, Armenian, and Sikh experiences. A group of educators with years of experience in the field of ethnic studies were on the curriculum's advisory board. But when it comes to what California students should learn about the fraught history between Israel and Palestine, points of contention remain. California's new ethnic studies curriculum didn't come easy. It took over two years and went through several drafts. There were over 100,000 public comments, and scores of people spoke out at marathon online meetings held by the California Department of Education. At these meetings, Palestinian Americans said that the revisions all but eliminate them from the curriculum. We must vote no on the current ESMC curriculum, which constitutes the censorship and whitewashing of the history of Arab Americans, which is reflected in part by the erasure of Palestine from the curriculum within the... And I think it's extremely ironic that you spent the last couple hours patting yourself on the back about inclusion when you're purposefully excluding Palestine. Patting yourself on the back for seeking truth to power when you, the IQC, are the power. Critical terms such as revolution, capitalism, right wing, and even ethnic studies have been removed from key sections. Arab history has been marginalized and dismissed, and Palestine, which plays a central role in Arab history, has been wiped off the geographic map. At these same meetings, dozens of Jewish Americans weighed in as well. They argued that even the final draft has echoes of anti-Semitism. I'm a daughter of Soviet Jews, and I spent my whole childhood hearing stories from my parents about the rampant anti-Semitism in the Soviet Union. Anti-Semitism that was no doubt encouraged by school curriculum and by teachers who propagated the same Marxist ideals that persist in the ethnic studies model curriculum. I have carefully read the latest draft of the ESMC. I commended substantial improvement over the initial version, but I am concerned that it still reflects the underlying ideology of critical race theory and critical ethnic studies. I I'm hearing on this call talk of Zionism and uh, pro-whiteness of these pro-Israel groups, which is so offensive given the Jewish experience. 
this draft of the EMC. Thank, Thank you, caller. Your, your time's up, Neil. Among the fiercest critics of the new ethnic studies curriculum, or ESMC for short, were Jewish organizations, including the Anti-Defamation League and Los Angeles-based Stand With Us. Joining me is Max Samrov, the executive director of research and strategy at Stand With Us. He spent two years advocating for changes to the ESMC. Max says the fight over ethnic studies reminded him of his grandmother. She advocated for the human rights and preservation of the history of the Jewish people in the Soviet Union. Max says she was jailed by the KGB for her activism. In some ways, he says ethnic studies advocates are much like his grandmother. I think their stories being represented in the classroom is entirely just. Unfortunately, on top of this basic goal, folks from my community come and say, hey, I think we should cover anti-Semitism as a form of hate. I think we should talk about Jews who came to this country from the Middle East and faced anti-Semitism there. There isn't an openness to that. Um, at a, a certain point, some of the justifications for uh, keeping our, our community and our stories out become quite absurd and discriminatory. And so what were the main objections that Stand With Us had with that early draft of California's Ethnic Studies Model Curriculum, or ESMC, in other words? There was a definition of the BDS movement, the Global Boycott, Divestment and Sanctions Movement Against Israel. That was basically just advocating for the BDS movement as if it was from the BDS movement website. Uh, And that's a movement that uh, basically markets itself as being simply against various Israeli policies. But if you look into what its leaders say and what its main objectives are, uh, it's actually about ending Israel's existence as a Jewish and democratic state and violating the rights of Jewish people to self-determination. And you didn't get any of that. And wasn't there also a map of the Middle East that had Palestine, but didn't have any mention of Israel? An initial draft of that lesson plan did have a map that basically erased Israel, but then that was changed at the last minute. We think that students should be exposed to a lot of different sides of issues like the 1948 war, for example, or the Israeli-Palestinian conflict in general. I don't know if ethnic studies is the right course for that to be the main focus, but in any case... We're fine with a lot of different perspectives, but we're not fine with one-sided narratives. So what steps did Stand With Us take to revise those elements of the curriculum that your organization found objectable? So uh, there was a, a process that allowed the public to submit feedback. And so, you know, we submitted our own feedback and we also encouraged all of our supporters to do the same. And that's why the you know worst problems that we saw in the first draft of the ESMC were ultimately fixed, though we still think that the final draft had a number of flaws as well that we wish they would have corrected before they passed it. What, what are some of those flaws that remained with the final one that your group still finds objectionable? They basically added a completely new Arab American Studies lesson plan at the very last minute uh, without adequate time for public review. And It sort of presents Jewish communities that used to live in Arab states uh, in a way that wasn't very accurate, that, you know, Jews who came to this country directly from Arab states, directly from Iran, um, really are either being unrepresented or misrepresented. There was every group basically said with this curriculum, hey, our story's not being told. You had Sikhs coming in, Armenian Americans. I mean, California, of course, is a melting pot within a melting pot, but it seemed Jewish groups especially were adamant about leaving comments, about critiquing the what, you know, what was being uh, put up in that curriculum. Why, where do you think this advocacy and this passion for the issue came from? 
I'll acknowledge, honestly, that I think our community should have been much more involved in the field of ethnic studies for decades before things led up to something like the first draft of the ESMC coming out. That's something we should have done differently. But once it came out and everybody woke up to it, we realized like we don't have a choice to be in this involved in this conversation or not, because our community, in a sense, is being attacked in part of this curriculum. And we can't be silent about that. Uh, because alongside what we saw in the SMC, there's also a massive rise in anti-Semitism that's been happening for years now. And there's certainly not enough education in schools about the Jewish community and anti-Semitism, because if there was, then we wouldn't be seeing the level of this hate that we're seeing now. Or hatred against any sort of groups. I mean, that's one of the interesting things about ethnic studies, that it does teach you about different communities and their experiences. And now with this last draft, many Arab Americans are saying that their experiences or voices have been essentially erased, especially educators and many former curriculum advisors. And specifically, they say that what's happening in the Middle East with Israel and Palestine has been erased from this uh, ethnic studies curriculum. So what would be your response to their concerns? My response is I'm entirely for Arab American experiences and Palestinian American experiences to be taught in ethnic studies. If there's an insistence that we're going to talk about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict within ethnic studies and in that context, then perspectives of the many Israeli Americans that live in California should also be covered in that context because it's not a one-sided issue. It's never been about erasing anyone else's perspective or story. It's always been about being against one-sided presentations of complex, multi-sided issues. But critics would say that anything that made Israel look bad, that somehow Jewish groups were against, and that therefore you don't have those complexities that you're talking about. Uh, We're very, very unhappy with some of the content that was taken out of lesson plans about the Jewish community to try to avoid anything that anyone might find sort of politically controversial and, you know, sweep some of the harder conversations under the rug. You know, we're we're not happy about, for example, the fact that the definition of anti-Semitism that was included in this curriculum does not cover the types of anti-Semitism that we're seeing on the streets right now, where the Israeli-Palestinian conflict is being used as an excuse to just spread blatant and sometimes more subtle hatred against Jewish people here. So where do you think then young people should go if they want both sides of the story as you want, not just something that's completely pro-Israel or anti-Israel, something that's not completely pro-Palestinian or anti-Palestinian? Where is this well-rounded education that the youth need? My recommendation would be to read a lot of different news sources about the same stories. So you get a lot of those different perspectives. That's the way that I've tried to inform myself. And I think it's the most important way anyone can because relying on one video you saw on like AJ Plus, which is, again, part of Al Jazeera, owned by the Qatari government, not going to do justice to the issue and not going to do justice to the communities who are affected by it. I see a lot of the critique when it came to the ethnic studies model curriculum in California. This at least this is what critics, critics of the critics on critics, there's so many critics were saying that being pro-Palestinian or being critical of Israeli policies, that that somehow means that they're anti-Semitic. Do you agree with that sentiment? No, criticizing the Israeli government isn't anti-Semitic, but there is anti-Israel rhetoric that can cross the line into anti-Semitism. Use demonizing and dehumanizing rhetoric about Israel that echoes 
anti-Semitic slurs that have been spread around the world for generation after generation, you know, suggest that somehow Israel is in control of all world affairs or behind, you know, any evil that you can imagine that really has nothing to do with Israel. And it's important to recognize where that line is and engage in a reasonable debate. But it's also important not to sweep anti-Semitism under the rug or try to shield it behind just claiming, oh, I'm just criticizing the Israeli government. Um, and I think a lot of the time it's uh, just out of ignorance or not fully understanding the context. And that's, again, why education about anti-Semitism in all its forms, education about the Jewish community and its full diversity and the full depth of that story is really important. Thank you so much for this interview, Max. Thank you. Max Samarov is the Executive Director of Research and Strategy at Stand With Us. Coming up, a Palestinian-American educator who was among the original drafters of California's Ethnic Studies curriculum. She was among more than a dozen other educators who refused to sign off on the final draft. Stay tuned. Many original contributors to the new ethnic studies curriculum didn't end up signing the final document. They felt it was watered down and that the curriculum veered away from its core mission of educating students about Asians, Blacks, Latinos, and Native Americans. Samia Shoman is an educator in Northern California and a member of the Bay Area-based Palestine Teaching Project. She was one of the educators who asked that their name be removed from the final draft after revisions were made against their wishes. The elimination of much of the Palestinian-American experience bothered her the most. It was far removed uh, from what we created. And so we asked our names to be removed as writers because we didn't feel like we wrote the end product. There were few pieces here and there um, left, but kind of what was anchoring the curriculum and in the roots you know, of the curriculum was gone. What had been removed that you and your fellow education advisors had asked for in the first couple of drafts. And then by the end, you're like, wait a minute, it's not there anymore. Yeah, lots of things. Um, you know, a critique of capitalism removed the pieces around Palestine, right? Removed and people. Rashida Tlaib, the U.S. elected congresswoman, the first Palestinian-American elected congresswoman, was all of a sudden deleted from the list of kind of contemporary um, and significant figures, as was Ilhan Omar, as was, right, Linda Sassour, a Palestinian activist. But there were issues in all of the chapters because what you saw was essentially a curriculum we created rooted in ethnic studies and ethnic studies principles become kind of a much more multicultural curriculum. Some of the fiercest public critics came from Jewish advocacy groups like the Anti-Defamation League and Stand With Us, and they argued that the early drafts were anti-Semitic. And specifically, they argued that an Arab-American studies lesson plan was, in their view, added at the very last minute without adequate time for public review. Was Is that accurate? Some of the things that I think, you know, triggered some of this backlash by these groups was, for example... There's a lesson on U.S. social movements. And as part of that lesson on U.S. social movements, there was a list of here are contemporary and historical social movements that have been, you know, that are in the United States. And so students can investigate and kind of research one of them. And the boycott divestment sanctions movement um, on behalf of Palestinians and against Israel was in there. Um, Certainly that 
caused a firestorm. But I think anything having to do with Palestine or the Palestinian experience as a people of color in this United in the United States and how it impacts their identity and kind of their um, place and the intersectionality of movements is kind of what got attacked. Any kind of person that has a stance or connection with something related to Israel was seen as a critique or really kind of critiqued as anti-Semitic. You were talking about the boycott, divestment, sanction movement, BDS for sure, and it's been a big part of Arab-American advocacy in the United States over the past couple of years. Advocates say it's a way to oppose Israeli policy against Palestinians, but the critics say that BDS essentially wants to end Israel's existence by imposing crippling sanctions on the country the way other countries pressured South Africa on apartheid back in the day. So how would you describe the controversy around that, and specifically when people say that students should not be learning about movements like BDS? The boycott, divestment, sanction movement is what helped move South Africa towards a democratic country with elections that all people would participate in. Boycott, divestment, sanctions is a nonviolent movement. It's still perceived and looked at and labeled somehow as violent. What are kind of Palestinians allowed to do? What are we allowed to teach about in classrooms And, you know, I I come at this through several lenses, right? I'm an educator, ethnic studies advocate, and I'm also a mother. I know what my experience was like growing up in schools. I didn't see myself in the curriculum. I didn't, and I, but I had no place and no invitation in my classes to share who I was. So I tried to be, you know, what I thought was American during that time, not knowing, like, I am American and I'm Palestinian. Um, Because I felt like what I was being taught in my classrooms in my school was that if you are a different ethnicity or, you know, you have a different racial identity, I didn't necessarily feel like that made me American. Clearly, I know better as an adult, but I don't want my own kids to go through that. Yeah, there was another critique saying that original drafts painted Jews in the United States as being privileged, being in the same status as white people. Do you think the advisory board could have done a better job representing the diversity and nuances of the Jewish American experience and also how the Palestinian-Israeli conflict affects Jews in the U.S. today? I, I think, you know, why we didn't necessarily attend to, you know, Jews of color or write specific lessons. First of all, we had like six days to create this whole thing, six days. And it was like two days over a course of three months. We were using the models that existed in higher education to build a model for K-12. And when you look at colleges and departments of ethnic studies across the country, Jewish studies does not live in those departments, right? They have their own. And so really you start with the four groups, kind of that, you right, Africana studies, um, you know, usually it's Latino, Latinx, Larasa studies, Asian American studies, and Native Indigenous people studies. And the Arab American piece got in there because that is often in most universities housed under Asian American studies. And so I I don't think it was an intentional leaving out. It was like using ethnic studies as being centered around communities of color in the traditional kind of ethnic studies model. It's worth noting that there were Jewish orgs that supported those first drafts, and then they were criticized by larger Jewish advocacy groups like Stand With Us and Anti-Defamation League. So based on the the final draft, the one that was approved by the state, what's going to be the picture of Arab Americans that California students are going to get? 
not a holistic picture, to be honest, and not one that includes a lot around their history in the United States, which is a long history, right? I'm disappointed in that final Arab American lesson. I don't think it's nuanced enough. And it's one lesson, right? And it doesn't have Palestine in it. It's not represented. And it's a huge, it's a central issue to all Arabs. Look around across the United States, what's happening right now in the streets and cities across our country and who's coming out um, in support of what's happening right now in Palestine. So, so, so there's nothing about Palestine in the final draft? No. Not anything about the conflict in Israel or anything of that? Around kind of this, the issues, no, they're, they're, it's not in the final draft. I imagine this whole process, since you were there at the beginning and now you see the end, it's been quite frustrating. Yeah, to say the least, because I think what happened is a lot of people had influence over the final draft that are not in classrooms today, that are not in front of students today, who are not building lessons on the day to day. So it's like no curriculum that anyone creates in any subject area is ever going to be perfect. And with the amount of time that you have to create it, it's going to have flaws. It's going to have imperfections. And we recognize that. And finally, if you could revise a draft today in your dreams of dreams, what would you want students to learn about the Palestinian community in California and in the United States? Well, A, that we exist in California, right? And there's a large community between Northern and Southern California um, of Palestinians. And that like the issue of Palestine is core and central to many people's identity and just kind of all the nuances and complexities. And it doesn't always have to be in the context of talking about Israel either. There's also lots about us um, that students can learn and read without that piece. You shouldn't just be reduced to a people uh, that's always in conflict with another uh, country. Well summarized. Thank you so much for this interview, Samia. Thank you. And a postscript. Last week, the Associated Press fired news associate Emily Wilder after conservative groups found tweets from her past that expressed criticism of Israel's treatment of Palestinians. Wilder is Jewish. The proxy wars continue. And that's it for this episode of The Times, daily news from the LA Times. Tomorrow, a roundtable on the one-year anniversary of the murder of George Floyd. What's changed and what hasn't? Our show is produced by Shannon Lynn, Stephen A. Cuevas, and Denise Guerra. Our executive producer is Abby Fentress Swanson. Our engineer is Mario Diaz. Our editor is Julia Turner. And our theme music is by Andrew Epen. I'm Gustavo Ariano. We'll be back tomorrow with all the news in this madre. Gracias. <laughs>